Chapter Eight of Gunsight Pass: How Oil Came to the Cattle Country and Brought a New West by William McLeod Rain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The D Bar Lazy R Boys Meet an Angel. Joyce came flying to her father's arms. The white lace of a nightgown showed beneath the dressing robe she had hurriedly donned. A plate of dark hair hung across her shoulder far below the waist. She threw herself at Crawford with a moaning little sob. "'Oh, Dad! Dad! Dad!' she cried, and her slender arms went around his neck. "'It's all right, sweetheart. Your old dad's not even powder-burnt. You've been worrying a heap, I reckon.' His voice was full of rough tenderness. She began to cry. He patted her shoulder and caressed her dark head, drawing it close to his shoulder. "'Now, now, now, sweetheart.' don't you cry it's all right little honeybug you're not hurt she begged through her tears not none never was huskier but i got a boy out there that's beat up some come in dave and you bob they're good boys joy i want you to meet em both the girl had thought her father alone she flung one startled glance into the night clutched the dressing-gown closer round her throat and fled her barefoot way into the darkness of the house. To the boys hanging back awkwardly at the gate, the slim child woman was a vision wonderful. Their starved eyes found in her white loveliness a glimpse of heaven. Her father laughed. Joy ain't dressed for collars. Come in, boys. He lit a lamp and drew Dave to a lounge. Let me look at your haid, son. Bob, you hot-foot it for Doc Green. It's nothing at all to make a fuss about, Dave apologized. Only a love tap, compliments of Shorty and some kicks in the slats, kindness of Mr. Miller. In spite of his debonair manner, Dave still had a bad headache and was so sore around the body that he could scarcely move without groaning. He kept his teeth clamped on the pain because he had been brought up in the outdoor code of the West, which demands of a man that he grin and stand the gaff. While the doctor was attending to his injuries, Dave caught sight once or twice of Joyce at the door, clad now in a summer frock of white with a blue sash. She was busy supplying, in a brisk, competent way, the demands of the doctor for hot and cold water and clean linen. Meanwhile, Crawford told his story. I was right close to the club when Doble met me. He pulled a story of how his brother Doug had trouble with Steelman and got shot up. I swallowed it hook, bait, and sinker. Soon as I got into the house, they swarmed over me like bees. I didn't even get my six-gun out. Brad wanted me to sign a relinquishment. I told him where he could head in at. "'What would have happened if the boys hadn't dropped along?' asked Dr. Green as he repacked his medicine case. The cattleman looked at him, and his eyes were hard and bleak. "'Why, Doc, your guess is as good as mine,' he said. "'Mine is. You would have been among the missing, Em. Well, I'm leaving a sleeping powder for the patient in case he needs it in an hour or two. In the morning I'll drop round again,' the doctor said. He did, and found Dave much improved. The clean outdoors of the rough-riding West builds blood that is red. A city man might have kept his bed a week, 
but Dave was up and ready to say goodbye within forty-eight hours. He was still a bit under par and a trifle washed out, but he wanted to take the road in pursuit of Miller and Doble, who had again decamped in a hurry with the two horses they had stolen. They had the Bronx hit up Frio Canyon way, I reckon, explained Hart, but they didn't take no chances. When they left that Doby house, they lit a runnin' and clumb for the high hills on the jump, and they didn't leave no address, neither. We'll be following a cold trail. We're not liable to find them after they hole up in some mountain pocket. Might. Never can tell. Let's take a whirl at it anyhow, urged Dave. Hate to give up on your paint hoss, don't you? said Bob, with his friendly grin. Ain't blaming you none, whatever. I'd sleep on those fellows' trail if Chiquito's mine. What say we outfit in the morning and pull our freights? Maybe so we'll meet up with the thieves at that. Yo no say. I don't know. When Joyce was in the room where Dave lay on the lounge, the young man never looked at her, but he saw nobody else. Brought up in a saddle on the range, he had never before met a girl like her. It was not only that she was beautiful and fragrant as apple blossoms, a mystery of maidenhood whose presence awed his simple soul. It was not only that she seemed so delicately precious, a princess of the blood royal set apart by reason of her buoyant grace, the soft rustle of her skirts, the fine texture of the satiny skin. What took him by the throat was her goodness. She was enshrined in his heart as a young saint. He would have thought it sacrilege to think of her as a wide-awake young woman subject to all the vanities of her sex. And he could have cited evidence. The sweetness of her affection for rough M. Crawford, the dear maternal tenderness with which she ruled her three-year-old brother Keith, motherless since the week of his birth, the kindness of the luminous brown eyes to the uncouth stranger thrown upon her hospitality. Dave treasured them all as signs of angelic grace, and they played upon his heartstrings disturbingly. Joyce brought Keith in to say good-bye to Dave and his friend before they left. The little fellow ran across the room to his new pal, who had busied himself weaving horsehair playthings for the youngster. "'You turn back and make me a bueto, Dave,' he cried. "'I'll sure come back, or else send you one.' the cowpuncher promised, rising to meet Joyce. She carried her slender figure across the room with perfect ease and rhythm, head beautifully poised, young seventeen, as self-possessed as thirty. As much could not be said of her guests. They were all legs and gangling arms, red ears and dusty boots. "'Yes, we all want you to come back,' she said with a charming smile. I think you saved father's life. We can't tell you how much we owe you, can we, Keith? Nope. When will you send the bridle? he demanded. Soon, the restored patient said to the boy, and to her, That wasn't nothing at all. From where I come from, we always been used to standing by our boss. He shifted awkwardly to the other foot, flushing to the hair while he buried her soft little hand in his big freckled one. The girl showed no shyness, Seventeen is sometimes so much older than twenty. That's what us D-bar lazy-ar boys are riding with your pa's outfit for, miss, to be handy when he needs us, Bob added in his turn. We're sure tickled we got a chance to go Brad Steelman's party. 
I'm certainly glad to a met you, Miss Joyce. He ducked his head and scraped back a foot in what was meant to be a bow. Emerson Crawford sauntered in, big and bluff and easy-going. Hitting the trail, boys? Good enough. Hope you find the thieves. If you do, play your cards close. They're treacherous devils. Don't take no chances with them. I left an order at the store for you to draw on me for another pair of boots in place of those you lost in the brush, Dave. Get a good pair, son. They're on me. Well, so long. Luck, boys. I'll look for y'all back with the D-Bar Lazy R when you've finished this job. The punchers rode away without looking back. But many times in the days that followed, their hearts turned to that roof which had given the word home a new meaning to them both. End of chapter 8